We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Joining us right now on the Harbor One Hotline from Fort Myers, Florida, it is Matt Barnes of the Boston Red Sox. Hey, Matt, did we get the entrance song right? Is that still it? Yes. Yep. Yep. That's it. Sticking, sticking with that. Have to. Okay. Have to. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, <laughs> I'm a big EDM fan. I've had that that song "Bigfoot" by WMW as my walkout for a few years now. Um, and actually had the opportunity to meet them and, and kind of hang out with them one night this time during the off season. So, um, definitely going to stick with it. That's the one thing that, Matt, I admire about baseball. As a former NFL player, we don't get no walkout music. <laughs> Matt, that's Wiggy, Jer- uh, Jermaine Wiggins, who played for the Patriots mm. back in the 1950s. Yeah, yeah. back in the uh, days. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, Wiggy, you wanted your own your own walkout? Yeah, I think it's so. pretty cool. Like you know, Yeah, but yours wouldn't be EDM. No, 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 no. But just the fact that players uh, – do you get to change the song throughout the year or do you have to like – You can do anything you want. Oh, every I mean, game? Yeah, that's what yeah, I'm you can. You can do – yeah, whatever you want. You could have a different one every single game if you wanted. Oh, wow, that's pretty cool. How do you feel about dancing on my own when it comes to being, like, the team anthem or whatever? I think it's awesome. Um, I don't know I don't know if we're going to use it again this year. I don't know that anybody's talked about it. I mean, maybe the position players have. Um, but I think, I mean, it, it was really cool to see it all come together last year and the way that it kind of transformed into the team anthem. If you're an EDM fan, uh, Chris Sale was asked if there if he could pick a different song for the team anthem to be, he would go with Big Booty Mix by Two Friends. Do you know that one? Are you familiar? <laughs> yeah, they've got like 15 remixes, 20 remixes, and they just take a bunch of different songs and put them together. It, it's it's awesome. It's Volume all the 11. Time in the weight room, so. Iconic. <laughs> Volume 11 is the one he wants? Well, that's the one I would want. Now, Matt. You gotcha, you gotcha. <laughs> When you look at this year, I think, you know, coming off of last year, you guys had obviously a tremendous year, a couple games away from getting to another World Series. I know every year brings different things, but what what's the kind of the the expectations in the clubhouse? What's the morale? Is it like, you know, we have a good enough team to not only get back to where we were, but even go further? 100%. Um 100%. I mean, I, I know that, you know, we lost a couple of guys in the offseason, whether it was free agency or trades or whatnot. Um, but I think the front office and Hyman's done a really good job of bringing in quality players. Um, I would sit here and try to list them, but I feel like there's enough of them, and I'm, and I'm going to end up forgetting somebody. But obviously, um, you know, the, the front office did a phenomenal job of bringing in guys, and, and just the energy and the vibe in camp for the last three weeks has been awesome. I think guys got a, a really good taste of – of what it was like being deep into the postseason again last year and, and want to get back there. And, and definitely feel like we have the team, um, the team and the experience to do that. Is uh, shortened spring training uh, uh, affecting you or, or the guys in any way, or is it just kind of business as usual? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely makes it a little more difficult, right? Um, but I think, I think fortunately and unfortunately, um, 
you know, I mean, we had a similar situation like this in 2020 where we didn't even get to play other teams in spring training. We were just inter-squatting at Fenway, right? So we had to figure out how to get ready in three weeks then. Um, and then last year was obviously a full, a full camp, but it was, but it didn't feel like a full spring training, you know what I mean? Because we weren't totally back with the fans and everything yet. Um, and then this year, we go back to another really short spring training. So I think guys are, are, are using the ability of, of – or kind of drawing from their experiences in, in, uh, in 2020. And then anybody who was here in 18, right, our 19 spring training, while it was a big one, most of the guys didn't do anything for the first couple of weeks because we played so much longer. So – from a from a reliever standpoint, you know, I've, I've talked with Bushy and AC and Walk and, and everybody, and um, as long as I get, like, six games in, I'll be okay for the season. You know, it's definitely a little harder for, say, a position player who needs to get his timing and his defensive in or a starter who has to actually build up to five, six, seven innings, right? As a reliever, it's more making sure the arm strength is, is really there, um, getting in some games, facing some hitters, and, and you can make that work. You had an interesting quote a week or so ago uh, where you were talking about last season and how you felt like maybe you got tired halfway through and you built up some maybe bad habits and you're trying to combat that now going into this season. And, yep. I, th- and I thought that was interesting for any athlete, pro or not, because I think a lot of people face that. What are you doing or what did you do during the off season to make sure you don't fall back into that trend? Yeah, for sure. Um, it, it, last year was one of the craziest years um, in, in, in my professional career, um, ultimate highs and a lot of lows towards the end of the season, um, which definitely makes it difficult. But one of the biggest things that I've realized is that sometimes less is more in, in sports. Um, especially baseball is such a, such a, like the little, the littlest thing from a pitcher, right? I mean, your hand positioning when you release the ball could be like, two degrees off, if you will, and it's going to change everything. Um, but sometimes just, just taking a step away from the game in terms of the offseason, right, and not playing catch for a month or five, or five weeks, you get back into it and your body just kind of goes back to what, it, what it's accustomed to. It goes back to just the natural throwing motion of what you've been doing for the last 20 years. And to me, I think that that, that has kind of been a really nice uh, – kind of just a really nice adjustment in terms of, of kind of growing, growing in the game over the last few years is, is realizing when I need to just take a step back and, and not try and fix anything or fix too much. Just go out there, be an athlete, and do what you know how to do. Um, and I think that's kind of what I've done. Now, we've obviously, when you're going through spring training and you're building up for the season, you're going to have little things that are off. Um, but those are, those are small, normal adjustments that you make when you haven't faced hitters in five months, right? Like that's natural and that's going to happen. I think moving into the season, uh, it's just, we're going to keep a really strong line of communication. We're going to, we're going to make some adjustments, whether it's with conditioning or with the weight room. Um, and we're going to move forward in that sense. But um, I don't know that there was anything specific that I did to try and fix that. I, I think that's kind of, we're going to see what, what the season brings and, and just make sure that we all kind of, communicate with each other on where where we're at from a physical mental um standpoint as we move into the season matt i try to kind of relate everything to you know football because that's what i know when when i think of a closer i think of a kicker right a guy who's called upon to 
to be in a situation that, you know, the game's on the line one way or the other. So, you know, I think Courtney asked yep. a, a great question. How much becomes more mental than physical when you're in that moment when maybe you're struggling or you're on the high? Is it more about the mental makeup is it, or is it more about the physical? I think it's a, I think it's a combination of both. Um, I think from a, from a pitcher standpoint, especially a reliever, right? When we're go out, when we go out there and we're, and we're tasked with being ready to throw every single day, I think at some point you hit a, right. You hit, you hit a point where you are physically tired, right? Where you've thrown three days in a row or you've thrown four out of five days where your body is physically tired and you're just not going to have the same stuff that you did on day one when you were completely fresh. Right. So you, you kind of have that aspect of it. Um, but then there's the mental side of it as well, where you can go out there and feel like sometimes you're throwing the ball well and you get hit around the yard and you blow a game uh, or um, maybe you just don't have it and you have to find a way to try and get it done when you know that you don't have your best stuff and you are tired. So I, I think it's a, it's a really strong combination of both of them, um, which kind of just, which kind of makes it really difficult. <laughs> would you say it's the hottest that you can do on the field you know we always in, in football we say oh quarterback's the hottest position would you say like closer is the hottest thing to do because of knowing the magnitude of the position that you're in I don't know I think they all have them um, I, I think one of the hardest things for me about being a pitcher is is you were the only one like the game is 100% or 90% in your control at that moment. Um, and if you're struggling, I mean, that, that, that mound can be a, a really lonely island at times. Um, but, but, it, but it's what you sign up for, right? I mean, it's, 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 it's a lot of fun, but it, but it, can, it can definitely be daunting and, and, and very difficult at times. Um, and in those times, that's when you try to draw on the experience, try and draw on, listen, I mean, every – Everybody, even the best pitchers in the game, right, are going to give up runs. And I think you have to understand that. And, and one of the biggest things for me was understanding that uh, once the ball leaves your hand, like you, you really have no say in what happens, right? The only thing you can control as a pitcher is, am I going to execute this pitch or not, right? And if you execute your pitch and you give up a hit, well, then you really did everything you could. And I think when you finally get and – I, and I kind of, especially the first half of last year, really got to a place where I totally accepted that. And when you totally accept that, like, you really can't get angry about the results, right? Like, there's times where I go out there and I have electric stuff and I can locate every pitch and I can get hit around because the guys that we're facing are pretty darn good too, right? I mean, they're getting paid to hit the baseball and they're the best <laughs> players in the world, right? I mean, and I, I think sometimes people lose sight of that is, like, if I'm out there and I'm facing Mike Trout and I – dot a fastball down and away. Well, I executed the pitch that I want. He's a double in the gap. Well, it's because Mike Trout's really good too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, so as long as, as long as you, you get to the point where you can accept kind of whatever happens, knowing that your work and your preparation and your execution was good. Um, then I think that, that that's kind of the, the sweet spot of, of being a pitcher. Did you offer Trevor Story any advice about playing in Boston or living in Massachusetts? Uh, any anything you needed to warn him about or anything? <laughs> I don't think there's anything to warn him about. Uh, 
I told him he's coming to. I mean, I, I talked. I talked to him a little bit. I, I faced him the other day. We were talking some sequencing, um, getting some of his insight on on what he saw on the mound for a couple of pitches that I wanted to try and work on. Um, but I, you know, I, I know that he talked to a lot of guys before he before he ended up signing with us, and um, you know, he's coming to a place where the fans are. The fans are the most loyal fans in, in baseball and, and maybe even sports. They expect to win, as we do. Um, they're going to show up every single day ready to cheer us on. And, and when you win in Boston, it's unlike winning anywhere else. So um, I, I think I think he knows that, and I think that's a really big reason why he chose to come play for Boston. And you like that, right? Because some guys, I guess, don't like it. But you, but you like you like playing for these fans. You like that intensity. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm born and raised in the Northeast, right? And, and kind of born and raised into that Yankees Red Sox rivalry. I know what it's like. I've been in the fan in, in the stands as a fan growing up for those games and obviously on the mound now and, and kind of playing in it for the last seven years. Right. Um, it's, it's intense. Um, and, and listen, the, the fans are going to call you on it when you stink and that's totally fine. And I think that whole, helps, I think that helps to hold you to a higher a higher standard and a higher accountability level, right? Um, but but everybody in Boston is is moving towards one thing, and that's everybody wants a championship, um, right? The the fans want it, the players want it, um, the ownership wants it, and, and everybody down. So I, I think that's one of the beautiful things, and, and you really don't see that everywhere you go across sports. A lot of places you don't see the fans and the ownership and, and everybody really pushing as hard as they can for a championship. And I can tell you that that is, I've never felt that way in Boston from any side of the aisle, right? Any fan player, organizational ownership, anything. Uh, uh, real quick. Were you as a player or, or, or were players concerned during the lockout about the game and, and the damage that could have been done to it? Because I think the game certainly here and elsewhere made some progress with younger fans last season and in, and in general, were you guys worried about that as players? Yeah. I mean, at, at some point you obviously have to worry about the fans, right? I mean, let's, let's call it state of state. Right? We go out there and play obviously for ourselves in the win championship. So we go out there as an entertainment job, right? We are there to entertain the fans and to, to put a good quality product on the field. Um, so, probably a little concerned absolutely but at the same time we have an obligation to the guys who are in the game now and the guys who are going to be in the game over the course of the next five years who maybe aren't now to do right by them um and i think that's one of the beautiful things about being part of the union is is the ability to to try and make changes in in places where the players really think that we need to make changes so um you know i I hope that the fans kind of understand what we were trying to accomplish. Um, and I hope that they all show up and, and, and are ready to rock in, what is it, six days now? And, and I have no doubts about that. Hmm. Matt, I got to ask before you go, you're a UConn guy. Uh, and the ladies yep. playing late tonight, will you be watching that one? Uh, I might watch a little bit of the, of the beginning of it, you know, 9.30, when we got to be up at 7, <laughs> 6.30, 7 o'clock, 9.30, starts approaching on my bedtime pretty quick but um but for sure I'll, I'll definitely throw on probably the first half and there's a chance that I fall asleep while, while watching the game but um 
I mean, they're they're incredible. I think they're what now fourteen elite eights in a row or final fours in a row. Um, I mean, it's it's incredible what Gino's been able to do over there, and obviously getting Paige back is huge for that team. So um, definitely going to be exciting. But Stanford Stanford's no easy team. I, I mean, remember when I was there, Stanford Stanford was a was always a tough team that that you had to play your best to beat them. So. It's going to be a good game. I know they're going to be prepared. Um, and hopefully they can get back to the championship game. I don't know. I mean, you answered diplomatically mm. on the, when you brought up the Sox-Yankees thing, but you're you're a Danbury guy, right? Yeah, I was born in Danbury. Grew up in Bethel. Yep. So that's I mean, Is that, that more was, Yankees? That's Yankees. Oh, okay. Ter- yeah. right. I mean, that's Yankees territory. That's right. Yankees. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So you were. Yeah, that's, you, yeah. You were a Yankees fan. So that's I mean, Yankees you can, you Giants. Can, I was. Yeah. I was. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you were. Yeah, did you, I was. Did, <laughs> uh, did you? Uh, by the way, you're talking you, about like you're talking about like 13 years ago now. <laughs> I know. I just want you to be honest. I mean, you know, <laughs> was it? Did you watch that um, that Netflix documentary on the uh, Danbury Thrashers, the hockey team? I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah with the Galantis. Yeah, it, it was awesome. It was a great documentary. What I know. Yeah, yeah, but a, a bunch. Yeah, a bunch of my friends. I mean, I've, I've met AJ a couple of times, and I know. A bunch of my friends are really close to his family, so I mean that's that's where I grew up. I mean, I used to go to that ice skating rink every Friday when I was in middle school. I mean, that's what we did in high school. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! We, that's yeah, great. crazy. That's great. That's crazy. So, one last question for yeah. me, Matt. I, I think you know you brought up the fans wanting to win here and ownership wanting to win here. Um, we kind of talked about this with you know Hein Bloom. Last season during the the trade deadline, you know, didn't make any real significant moves. We had an opportunity to talk to him this year. When they bring in guys like Trevor Story, like, you know, big ticket free agents, what's the morale like in in the locker room? Are players looking at that to say, hey, we need to add pieces that can help us get over the hump? Yeah, I I mean, I I think one of the things that our ownership has always been very clear with us and with, and with everybody about is if, if we're in a position to win, they're going to give us the pieces that we need. Right. And, and they have held true to that statement and have followed up with that in every instance. I think one of the hard parts, I know that we made a, a bunch of moves prior to the lockout, but three months without communication, anybody, you almost kind of forget who's where and what's going on. Um, and then I showed up and I was like, Oh my God, I forgot we got this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy. And it was really cool to see everybody. Um, but obviously, when you bring in a caliber of uh, player like Trevor Story, um, who's one of the best shortstops, now second baseman in the league, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's absolutely going to boost morale. I mean, I remember, and I don't even know that if, if it's totally said, and I was talking to one of the guys that day, and I was like, I don't even know that I fully wrapped my head around the fact that Trevor Story's on our team. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> um, I'm, and I'm, I'm looking up there, and I'm like, God, our six-hole hitter's Trevor Story today. I'm like, that's incredible. Um, right? I mean, it's just, it, it really is. So, I mean, it, it, it's super exciting. Um, awesome guy. Glad to have him here. And, and he's absolutely going to make our team better. So, um, everybody's super excited, right? I mean, it, it's, we can finally get back to, to playing some ball. We're going to start the year with, with full stadiums. Um, and, and I think everybody's just itching to get going. Well, listen, we, we we couldn't be more excited. Can't wait for opening day mm-hmm. at Fenway uh, two weeks from today. Yeah, good luck. And I really I really appreciate you taking the time and coming on this morning, and you are welcome on this show anytime, Matt Barnes. 
Thank you very much. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. And maybe we'll throw you a little input if you want to change the the walkout song. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know if you're open, open to suggestion or not. <laughs> we'd be happy to throw some out there. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I think I got to stick with it. I think I do. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks. Thanks a lot for taking the time. And, and uh, we'll see you back here in Boston in a couple weeks. All right. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, guys. All right. That's huh? Matt Barnes. There you go. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.